ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 94 of the United Pubcast. We're flying through them. We're approaching 100. I don't know who we'll get on, Tom, but it should be someone good. Um, before I introduce Tom, actually, I just want to make a little prerequisite uh, for this podcast. Uh, we are recording prior to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's press conference uh, to preview the Sheffield United game. So uh, just if anything major does come out, please keep that in mind. So this podcast, we're going to be going through De Gea, Henderson. That's the big debate at the moment. What's better, cheese or wine? What's better, dark chocolate or milk chocolate? But forget about all that. It's about De Gea versus Henderson. And to join me to go through that, as well as the Sheffield United preview, I've got my co-host and good friend, Tom Simpson. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, very good. It's a shame um, we weren't able to introduce Mark Bosnich. We did try very hard to get Bosnich on the podcast, but um, unfortunately, as host, you're going to have to settle with me. Or fortunate, I well, don't know what way you sit. I think you both have uh, prosperous football careers. Maybe Bosnich is just a little more well-known. But nonetheless, we will crack on. Tom, let's start at the top of, well, basically what's been the top of most United's uh, fans' thoughts has been David De Gea um, after his sort of clangor on the weekend against Spurs. Let's just have a summary of his career because I feel like it's something that does get brushed over. We're very living in the moment sort of people these days. I think it's important that we reflect. Talk to me, David De Gea's career. Um, you know, he came through it, came as an 18 year old, if I'm not wrong, very scrawny. And we obviously have the goalkeeper he is today. Well, I think that it's part of the argument when we will fully get into the Henderson v De Gea and who's better going forward. But I think you have to take into consider consideration what he has done at Manchester United. And if you look at it, and I don't think this is an overreaction, I think almost stats will back this up. But he's been our player of the decade. From two, uh, when he came in 2011, and he's still here post-2020. I can't name a better player, and I think that's reflected in how many Player of the Year um, awards did he win. So I think, especially post-Alex Ferguson, I think we do have to consider this in the debate that he's been our best player over the last 10 years. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, you know, look, what you've said is right. Obviously, I think he's won Player of the Year. Is it three times or is it four times? It's definitely a good chunk in there. Yeah. Uh, and... He's definitely grown, and we've watched him from when he started at United. He was obviously very weak, uh, particularly with crosses. Um, and a criticism of him has always been he doesn't command his area. But let's talk about the last 18 months, because that's where the David De Gea that we've all known to love and expecting goals, that player just hasn't seemed to have been there the last, well, yeah, we're approaching two years now. Do you think we've seen the best of him, or can we simply call this a blip? It's, it's approaching a long period of time. It's, it's hard in terms of the, the term, have we seen the best of him? I think we have seen the best of him in terms of we've seen the best keeper in the world at times. We've seen some of the most freakish saves and you can't sort of perform better than that. So we have seen the best, but have we seen, is, are we ever going to see that again? I think that's sort of the real topic we need to discuss. It's hard because you look at it and you think, okay, he has had a dip in form and it has been over a, sort of a, prolonged, a prolonged period now, so will he ever get that back? But if you look at his age, is he 30? I don't know if he's 30 yet. I'm not sure. But um, it's, he's very young for a goalkeeper. So there is that, I wouldn't say theory, but there is that hope that we definitely can get that, um, can get him back to his best form. Um, I'm not quite sure if it is a dip in form or has goalkeepers, the goalkeeper sort of traits in terms of what we want out of a goalkeeper has that moved on i'm not sure we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah i can't put my finger on it whether it is a dip in form or 
have we, uh, as you said, just seen the best of him? It's a difficult one. Um, David De Gea is 29. However, he does turn 30 in November of this year. But to your point, goalkeepers, they generally have their best in front of them in terms of age in their 30s, um, simply because that position doesn't require you to obviously have so much demand on the body. I think for De Gea, it must be, it's a combination of two things in my opinion. One is he has maintained such a high standard for a long period of time. And unfortunately for him, he's maintained his best form when he's had arguably the worst United defense in front of him in 30 years. In fact, I don't think it's an argument. It's clear as day. We had Rio Ferdinand, uh, Bruce Pallister, and then we've gone to um, obviously Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, and um, you know whatever you think of Lindelof or others who have come in in recent years. Tom, you, you touched on the style of goalkeepers changing. So when we think about the best goalkeepers in the world, who is the best at the moment and why are they the best? For me, it's Jan Oblak, but also because he's so well-rounded. What do you think is or defines the best goalkeeper nowadays? Is it purely shot-stopping or is it more than that? Well, I'm old school, so it comes down to me, a goalkeeper needs to be a goalkeeper and that's using their hands to keep the ball out of the goal. And obviously, Dea failed to do that last week. But I still rank David Dea up there in the top four or five goalkeepers. in the world. I wouldn't put him the best at the moment, obviously, because of the dip in form. But in regards to the debate on what makes the best goalkeeper in the world and what traits they need, the one, the biggest weakness for De Gea for me is definitely, as you mentioned earlier, the command of his area. I think that sometimes he, he'll wait in his six-yard box and the ball will be rolling from halfway and he just won't come out for it. And I, I think that is a, a bit of a cause for concern. But he gets a lot of criticism for his distribution. I personally don't think he's... Look, he's not ideal. I wouldn't drop him in central midfield and start and ask him to start, start dictating the play. But I don't think his distribution's that bad. I always just find we compare it to Edison, we compare it to Allison. But let's say Allison, he's dinking the ball out to Andy Robertson or out to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Where David Hayer, in this midst of this bad form, was sort of pinging the ball out to Antonio Valencia's chest or pinging the ball out to Ashley Young. And whoever is on the receiving end of that is going to make or break if it's a good pass or not. And I always felt and a tactic we often used was lumping the ball up to Fellaini, which 50-50 chance we're going to lose the ball. And then you say that's an incomplete pass for David De Gea. So always felt his distribution, sort of the criticisms in regards to that was always a little bit harsh. But in terms of an all-round goalkeeper, he's definitely not the all-round goalkeeper that some clubs do have. As you said, Old Black, to Stegen's obviously in good form. And sadly, you do look at Liverpool and City two top teams in the country, um, potentially the two best goalkeepers in the country. So I still have De Gea up there in the top four or five. And I don't think that, and a lot of people use that as a stick to beat David De Gea with. Well, he's not the best in the world, so get rid of him. Well, hang on. <laughs> you can't have the best player in the world in every single position. Fourth or fifth in the world is still pretty good for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, when we talk about, I mean, just staying on the topic of a goalkeeper and the way they play at the moment, do you think for a team to be successful nowadays, do you need to have that well-rounded goalkeeper? We Obviously, we're talking about Allison and Edison. They're the top leading sides in the Premier League and have been for the last two seasons now, probably for the foreseeable future. Do you think that that's a must in modern football if you want to win the Champions League, if you want to win the Premier League? Or is a player like David De Gea, who's strength is shot stopping, at least at his best, is that enough to achieve the ultimate successes in football? I'd say it's definitely enough. Now, it's definitely it'd be more advantageous to have the all-round goalkeeper, no doubt. But um, I think a lot, and again, I'm not a goalkeeper, so I'm no expert in the situation at all. 
But um, I think too much is made of this all-round goalkeeper. If, if you can build one and put one in the goals now, 100%, I'll, I'll take it at United. But um, I think we... And I don't want to settle. I don't want to sound like I'm settling for Dea and settling for his limitations. But um, I definitely think we can win things with Dea and goals. Yeah, well, we'll see. There's still time and we'll see how the rest of the season obviously pans out to see. So obviously debate potentially in future what happens with that spot. Speaking of the whole point of this debate, let's transition into Dean Henderson. So obviously Manchester United player on loan at Sheffield United. Tom, take us through uh, take us through Henderson's career because I feel a lot of particularly young listeners wouldn't actually know too much about Henderson and his journey. So, can you give us a little bit of background around where Henderson has come from and why he's in this debate to say could he overtake De Gea? Well, he's been at United now for I'd say four or five, maybe even six years now. Obviously, come through the system, but he's obviously never played. He's been in and around sort of match day squads occasionally. I remember he's in and around it under Jose Mourinho at times. I think he. It was even, he even travelled with the team for when we won the League Cup against Southampton. So he's always been in and around the club. I've obviously sort of noted him as potentially being one of the players to come through the academy and make an impact into the first team. But he's had four loan spells here. So he's, had, he's played out at Stockport County on loan, Grimsby Town on loan. And then his big one was obviously to Shrewsbury Town on loan, where I think he won the League uh, League One Goalkeeper of the Year. If, um, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did. Now, since then, he's obviously gone on to Sheffield United on loan and obviously saw oversaw their promotion last season in the Championship where he played every game. And he's obviously the um, Sheffield United keeper in the Premier League this year where he has done extremely well. So he's been, a, it's almost a, you, you look at his appearances on loan and for a young goalkeeper, he's had one hell of a career so far in terms of his development. Um, yeah, looking at that on paper and obviously doing very well, proven himself not just in the lower leagues, but obviously the Premier League this season. 100%. And I think that's a, basically a good summary. Where do you make the comparison? I mean, obviously, I want to touch on Henderson a little bit better, a bit, bit more, I should say. But what do you think his strengths are as a goalkeeper? Obviously, we're debating the strengths of De Gea and goalkeepers in modern football. So what, what stands out to you from Henderson's point of view? I think it's hard. I wouldn't. It's hard to describe. I wouldn't use this for a, a, a term for a goalkeeper, but an all-action goalkeeper. Like I wouldn't say he's Edison or Allison on the ball. On the ball, but he obviously is very comfortable on the ball. I'd say very much like Dyer, very good shot stopping, and that sounds like a very stupid sort of thing to point out for a goalkeeper. Obviously, if you want to be a goalkeeper at this level, you have to be a good shot stopper, unless you're obviously the two players who. Um, for, were, came before Allison, who were the two keepers at uh, Liverpool who struggled with that. Carrius um, and Mingulay, they obviously struggled with shot stopping, but enough of them. But um, I think almost his shot stop is very acrobatic. I think he's very command, commanding of his area, not just physically, but also verbally. He's always talking. I, I think that's a criticism of, often labelled at De Gea, which I don't agree with. But um, I think that is something United fans will sort of visibly see in regards to when the camera pans on him, he's always shouting. Um, again, you have to be shouting the right things. It's no point just be um, shouting nonsense. But um, yeah, I, th I think maybe a bit more physical command in the De Gea would be the one trait I would have um, over De Gea at the moment. Yeah, valid point. And I mean, from my point of view, I, I definitely agree with the whole all action thing. The, the thing with, uh, I guess when we're talking about this, it's what traits do you identify with a goalkeeper? Of course, you know, you you expect your goalkeeper to keep goals out. But like if I think of Edison, I think of his distribution. 
uh, his ability to do a long ball as efficiently as he does a short ball. Allison, a similar thing. I just think of their ability with the ball. When I think of De Gea, I think of stopping the ball with his feet. You know, I feel like certain goalkeepers just play the game a certain way or they have a specific trait specific to them. The thing with Henderson, I don't feel like, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but I feel like he is almost really good at a lot of things, but not perfect at one particular thing. So let's take this conversation into a little bit further with Henderson's career and obviously get into that debate of if he's better than the Spaniard or performing better at least. Currently, the debate has been in terms of his international career, should he be England's number one? If I'm not wrong, I don't think he's actually represented uh, the senior English side yet. I mean, that big debate has been between him and Jordan Pickford of Everton. Do you think he's England's next number one goalkeeper? And is he performing better than David De Gea at the moment or in this season? Well, the performing over day is interesting because Dean Henderson has, has obviously made mistakes and he has obviously made a few big ones. But in regards to your first point, should he be England's number one? Look, I don't think England is too blessed at the moment with goalkeepers. I wouldn't say it's a massive achievement. And again, I look, I'm not a goalkeeper, but I think Jordan Pickford is one of the worst goalkeepers I've seen. I think if you get the ball on target, it is a very good chance of going for the simple fact that his arms won't be able to reach it. He has the shortest arms I've ever seen on a goalkeeper. And um, so for me, I think Dean Henderson is very unlucky off, off the back of this season he's had and Jordan, and Jordan Pickford having quite a poor season. I think if the Euros went ahead this year, um, Dean Henderson would have been in goals. Now, he obviously has to perform again um, over the next 12 months to guarantee that spot. I think Jordan Pickford has it now just in regards to he has been the goalkeeper, so it's his, his position to lose for England and England haven't been playing games. So I think Pickford is number one at the moment. But I would be shocked if um, Dean Henderson isn't sort of pushing on the door for the Euros. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, he's, he's playing really well. I mean, I, I, the only reason I watch Sheffield United is to see how Henderson's going. And he's having an unreal season. And it's funny you talk about Jordan Pickford's arms. To be honest, I, I, I have noticed that myself. But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to De Gea a little bit. Uh, so obviously the Spaniard... The biggest issue in this debate of do you offload him, do you give Henderson a go, or even Romero. Joel Pereira is a player at Manchester United. Um, I believe he's actually back from loan at the moment. The biggest issue with De Gea is obviously his contract. So he signed a new deal after a long negotiation. I think there was over 12 months. And he's ended up signing a deal with United. If, if you believe what was reported, um, £300,000 a season, the highest owner at Manchester United. £300,000 a week. A week yet and uh till the end of or to june 2023 with an option in the club's favor to extend that another year tom is it possible is, is it possible even if united wanted to could you offload De Gea? i think you could offload the player in regards to i think a lot of teams would very happily take De Gea, even if they think he isn't sort of the goalkeeper that he was but like so many players and like so many players united have had to deal with uh, recently the contract is going to become a stumbling block. And I'd say that even six months ago, now you fast forward six months six months into a post-COVID-19 world, and it is even more unlikely that a club would be able to afford David De Gea. So look, whatever side someone sits on this argument, I don't think you can shy away from this being a real tick in the box in regards to David De Gea's future being at United and Dean Henderson's future being away from United. Yeah, do you think there is a possibility that, I mean, and we'll tie into the next question, but do you think it's a possibility at Henderson's point in, in his career that 
they could both be at the club. Personally, I don't see it. I think Henderson's the, a very ambitious player who wants to be first choice. Yeah, well, look, if I was playing a game of FIFA or football manager, I'd make it happen and I'd play one game under Hayer, next game Dean Henderson, etc. And if one concedes, um, they sit out an extra game. So, But obviously, real life isn't football manager. Look, ideally, you'd say De Gea loves the club and Dean Henderson loves the club and, and they'd make it happen. Um, in reality, I don't see how you could have De Gea on the bench earning 350 or 400,000 a week. Dean Henderson earning, I don't know, I assume if he signs a new contract, he'd be on 100 grand a week. I, I just don't see how that happens. Hey, mate, I tell you what, like, obviously I hate Liverpool, but if they offered me £300,000 a week to sit on the bench, mate, I'll do it. And when I hop on, I'll self-sabotage. Mm. Not a problem. Please do. All right. Hey, sorry? Please do. Um, new career path. <laughs> Yeah, sorted. Um, so, Tom, we're just about as we approach the wrap-up of this debate, do you think, before I get your final verdict, basically, on Henderson or De Gea next season, if you had the choice, can the club take the risk of putting Henderson in? So, Because the thing I look at is, like I said earlier, I think Henderson's very good at a lot of things, but the Englishman isn't perfect at any one thing. And at the end of the day... You have to think De Gea at the same age was a much better goalkeeper. Now that's just straight facts, in my opinion. Yeah, Is well, it... it's hard because, I, I, like I said at the start of the podcast, usually when we start a debate like this, we're either both on one side and we can argue or agree why we're right, or we're on separate sides of the fence and we can have a discussion and we debate each other. But this one, I am firmly on the fence and I cannot split it. Because you mentioned there, is it a risk to get rid of De Gea? And the reason I... 100% it's a huge risk. Because what do you think is going to happen the moment we get rid of De Gea and Dean Henderson has his first game at Old Trafford? What do you think is going to happen? The first shot's going to roll at Dean Henderson it's going to go through his legs. Then you're going to look, oh God, what did we, we had De Gea, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and Dean Henderson, this isn't going to work out. Well, we, we had this to a scale not to the same extent, but we had a hot, huge hopes for Ben Foster when he was coming through. And he just made one or two really fumbly, stupid errors when he first came in, obviously down to nerves. And his United career just never kicked off. And now, where is he now? He's, look, he's had Ben Foster's had a great career. He's at Watford now, and fair play to him. But he obviously didn't develop into the wonderful goalkeeper we all hoped for. And I'm not saying that will happen with Dean Henderson, but it is the back, backside of, this, of the risk. And I just think you almost... That's sort of the old saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And I think... While there is a part of me that does want to stick with or go with Dean Henderson in terms of Ollie moving to the future, I just I think I think it's almost too big a risk for me, and that's not to say I don't want Henderson, but I th- I think we personally personally I do think would regret it if we get rid of David De Gea. Valid points. Let's see what some of our listeners have had to say. They've left us some comments on social media. So just coming off Facebook, we've got Joshua. Uh, saying, just listened uh, to the podcast before where you touch on this briefly. Uh, going back to mistake on Saturday, obviously referring to De Gea there. The more I look back on it, the poorer it is. But any any other ge- keeper makes this mistake, but it, let it be Allison or Edison, it does not spark the same attention. We are talking about a goalkeeper that has won our player of the year so many times in the pl- past few years. And people are too attached to that when looking at his form now. I think that's a very valid point and comes to our people can say what they want about United, but you know, the famous saying that we say amongst the fans um, about being adored, but never ignored. 
it, it's the truth. This club is something that people obsess over. When we make a mistake, it's always under the microscope times 10. Do you agree with those sentiments? Because I think Joshua makes a really good point there. Yeah, well, just look at Dean Henderson earlier this year against Liverpool. One of the, a, a horror error. Even his manager, Chris Wilder, threw him under the bus after the game saying, you can't be making mistakes like that, like that if you want to play professional football. And um, yeah, imagine he happened, that happened at Anfield. Man United v Liverpool. And a shot comes in, rolls in at Dean Henderson and it goes through his legs. Could you imagine the reaction? Like Roy Keane, oh, Roy, Roy Keane wouldn't let yeah. him on the team bus, apparently. <laughs> well, if for well, what he said about De Gea, I, I think I don't think he'll let the man walk or be capable of walking anyway. Actually, just we'll go over before you go to the next yeah. comment. Just there on Henderson, and I'm just thinking, just brought a memory up in regards to one of the I wouldn't say stumbling block, but one of the issues surrounding obviously the contract situation is Chelsea seemingly have quite a strong interest in Dean Henderson. They would obviously love a young English keeper to sort of join the club. Do you think? The, I wouldn't say law of Chelsea because Dean Henderson's a United fan and we love United but here's the law of a Premier League club in London uh, obviously going to offer him a big wage do you think a law of Chelsea would be tempting to Henderson? No doubt about it. Um, it you know if he is pursuing first team football which is what he will be doing is very ambitious then I think if Chelsea do come in with a serious offer and guarantee him an opportunity to become first choice yeah, United can't hold on to him forever, um, and you can't keep holding him as a backup. But as I said, I think United have a, a wealth of riches when it comes to goalkeepers. You've got Sergio Romero, who, in my opinion, is a very good second choice, but not a first choice. You've got Henderson. You've got Joel Pereira, who's a proven goalkeeper and gone on loan many times. Maybe it's his opportunity. He's a very good shot stopper in himself and very good with the ball at his feet. So, yeah, I think... If you're Henderson, you, you'll put your fandom aside. At the end of the day, you've got a professional football career that only you can play at an elite level. And this is only the best of the best, can do it for 10 to 15 years. So he'd be mad not to consider it, but it'll, it'll be up to United to really make a big call on that one. Um, I just want to go to Robert's comment. Henderson has had one good season. Now everyone in uh, thinks he's in the same class as De Gea. No chance. David has saved our asses for years. Yes, he's had some blunders the last couple However, it happens, and I think it would be extremely risky to get rid of him. Uh, he'd throw in Romero before putting in Henderson. Um, interesting interesting point. I think Henderson's been good for more than one season, to be fair. I think, obviously, he uh, came up through Sheffield United in the championship last season. Again, very impressive. And the championship's a men's league in many respects. So, But, look, it's, it's a valid argument nonetheless. And I'll just come to that last comment from Antonio Rosina. Beside three extra clean sheets to Henderson, they are almost identical. Both have brilliant moments and then have had bad moments. I do think Henderson is the future, but I also think we missed our chance to cash in on De Gea. That's a valid point, Tom. I mean, when you think about getting rid of De Gea, I think we could, but the amount of money you could demand for him now, considering one, the current economic climate, and two, David De Gea's form, what he was worth three years ago isn't going to be the same now, is it? Yeah, no, 100%. But I just think the, the point Antonio just made there in regards to, if you, if you look at it, they've had quite similar seasons. But if you just read the headlines or read fan opinion, De Gea's had a horrible season and Henderson's going to win the Ballon d'Or. And I just think, well, hang on. They've both had good seasons, maybe a little bit up and down, but they're both very good goalkeepers. I don't think we can't paint De Gea as having an absolute nightmare of a season because it's just simply not the case. I'm with you. All right, Tom, we're going to wrap this up before we look into the Sheffield United game. 
one word answers. You know, that's how I like to be, short and blunt. David De Gea or Henderson next season, who is your goalkeeper? Uh, look, for me, I don't want to say sadly, but sadly, David De Gea. I just think it's too big a risk at this time. Can I flip this to you? What if, you, from United's point of view, you sell David De Gea, that frees up the wages to then get Jaden Sancho? If that was the proposal, so you're thinking maybe Henderson isn't as strong, but overall the team might become overall better. If I was sold to you that way, do you think, would you still be going with De Gea or would it be Henderson at that point? If it was a case of that, like, like I said before, like, if it was almost a football manager situation where you sort of budget in funds like that, maybe that is a way I would look at it, um, sort of to ease the blow a little bit. Um, I'm sure that won't be in reality. I'm sure United can go out and get Jaden Sancho regardless of the situation. But if it did become sort of a balancing act like that, look, if Dean Henderson's our number one next year, I'm very happy. It's just, if I had, if I had my wife on it, I'd probably opt for David De Gea. Probably because what he's done in the past. And I think while that might be not ruthless enough for a club like Man United, I can't sort of shake that loyalty. Well, there you go. We've been chatting for nearly 25 minutes and we've been on the fence the whole time. Uh, for me, I think it's De Gea. Like I said, Henderson's good. I don't think he's brilliant. If De- if United are getting someone in to replace De Gea, I think you have to get someone visibly better. And I don't think Henderson is that. Tom, let's transition into Sheffield United. So you could argue this is possibly one of our biggest, if not the biggest games left in our fixture list for the Premier League. The game will be at Old Trafford. Before we talk about the game, what do you think Old Trafford's going to look like? Will there be sponsors? Will there be noodles sitting in the seats? What do you expect? Well, I don't know what way to look at it because if you look at other clubs, some clubs have just been non-stop sponsors. Some clubs have done some quite good things with fans. And it's hard looking at United because you put yourselves in Woodward shoes and it's his dream. Like the possibilities are endless for the different sort of sponsors he could display around the ground. However, you look at Woodward over the past six months and he's played an unbelievable unbelievable PR game and so has the club and done so many good things for fans. And you think, well, hang on, we might actually do a better job than anyone in regards to sort of, I'd say, decorating Old Trafford. And there's obviously been that um, they sent out to supporters to upload a photo and they're going to create some type of fan mosaic. So I'm sure that'll be a part. I'm not sure how big that'll be or what it will look like. There's been rumours they're going to be hanging flags um, or sort of laying flags over the um, stadium or over the seats. I'm not sure what type of flags, whether they'll be supporter club flags or sort of just some of the famous banners around Old Trafford. So I'd like to see it decorated, I'd say, as much as possible like that. However, Man United and Woodward being Woodward, as you say, we could see a couple of cups of noodles sitting on the seats. Hey man, I'd support it. Um, so. Let's look at the ladder. So at the moment, United still sit fifth. Um, we are five points off Chelsea after their victory on the weekend. And Sheffield United seventh, two points behind us with a win. They do overtake uh, Manchester United. So does this, because of the nature of the ladder, obviously we can't lose any more ground to Chelsea. Is this a must win? Because in my opinion, it, we have to get the three points here. Look, I've had a discussion with a few people over the last couple of days about must win and look, this is as close to a must-win this far out in the season in regards to... I look at must-win games as cup finals or semi-finals or, okay, that's two games left in the season and you're playing the team that's level with you. They're must-win games for me. However, in regards to the sort of precarious nature of the ladder at the moment and they can overtake us or we can extend that gap, it's almost that six-pointer which does sort of put it in that category. I don't want to say it's a game, it's a must-not-lose game. It almost is close to a must-win. 
is the season over if we don't win? No, I don't think so. I think there's going to be plenty of ups and downs for Chelsea, for Wolves, for Tottenham, for all the teams around us. There'll be plenty of ups and downs. We look at Liverpool, they're awful against Everton. So there's going to be plenty of ups and downs. I think City's the only team that sort of look like they're just going to continue on as they usually do. But um, must win, must not lose, I'm not sure. Um, a definite please win. That's, that's what I'm hoping for, please win. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, look, it, it, it might not be must-win simply because there's eight games to go and others could drop points, but, boy, it's it's getting close. It's it's getting hairy at the that top four area. Um, let's look back a little bit at the Tottenham game, thinking back to what we saw. What changes do you expect? In fact, why don't you take me through your starting 11? Um, I, don't, I think it, it's it's a hard one with the FA Cup. I think the FA, FA Cup against Norwich is our next game. So I th- I'm not sure how heavily he'll rotate. I think the heavy rotation might come in the FA Cup and this will be sort of far closer to his sort of quote-unquote stronger lineup. I'd like to see Bayi come in over Lindelof. Whether that'll be the case, I'm not sure what's Lindelof's injury. I'm sure Oli in his press conference will mention it. But I'd expect Bayi, I think, maybe, um, now that I've mentioned, remembered the injury, Bayi to come in next to Maguire. Personally, I would throw Williams in at left-back, but um, maybe it's a better opportunity to throw him in the FA Cup and um, keep Luke Shaw at left-back. I think we both agree midfield, this has to be the time to throw Bruno and Pogba in um, as two weights um, in front of Nemanja Matic. I think the Daniel James obviously comes out. However, I don't know. I think the obvious answer is play Mason Greenwood because he did so well against um, mm. Tottenham when he came on. But I just think that in terms of having Pogba and Bruno, I think we're going to dominate possession. And the way they create, they're such intelligent players. Maybe this is my personal bias, but on the right, I'd probably opt for one matter. I think just his intelligence, we're going to dominate the game so much, we're going to have to look to create. And I just think Greenwood might have a better impact in terms of Norwich when it's a one-off cup game. There'll be a little bit more space as Norwich go for it. So I think for me, on the right, probably Mata. I'd, I'd expect Greenwood. Uh, maybe it's personal bias, though. Um, opt for the Spaniard. Well, I don't think that's a bad call. Sheffield United do like to deploy a back three, though, so I just wonder, do you want to give an opportunity to get in behind? Or, in fact, could Oli potentially even try and match them in that formation? I, I wouldn't expect so, simply simply because we're at Old Trafford. But well, I think there's a case, um, I said after the Tottenham game, and yeah. this wasn't a criticism at all at Rashford, I wouldn't be opposed to dropping Rashford simply from a fitness point of view and making sure we're not rushing him back and maybe throwing Martial out to the um, left and throwing Agarlo up front or maybe Mason Greenwood up front, but I think Agarlo is probably ahead of Mason Greenwood in that centre-forward role at the moment. But, um, yeah, I, I don't I absolutely no idea what um, sort of combination he'll go with up front. I expect Rashford to play. Um, I think he's just going to want to get as much legs into him as possible simply because of how long he's had out. Um, look, Pogba, Bruno, Matic is a must. I'll be amazed if those three aren't the midfield, but we never know. I just, I think they're going to have a low block. You, and you saw Matic, there was one ball there where he's come deep and he, I think it was for one Basaka where he's just basically run into midfield, weaved his way through and he put in a brilliant ball. And we just didn't see that from McTominay or Fred. Um, and I, to be honest, I just don't think those players have that ability in their locker. Which is kind of scary when you think the best one on the ball in that deep lying midfielder role is a 31 year old. But nonetheless, uh, well, we might as well touch on the prediction. Obviously, we don't know the 11s. Ollie's press conference will come out soon. But do you think this is a game we said it's close to must win? Give me a score. Well, as big as it is, as important as it is, 
quite confident. I think obviously Sheffield United had the they had a heavy defeat on the weekend. Dean Henderson, who obviously dominated this podcast, obviously can't play. Um, I think they had a few injuries in that game as well. So I'm quietly confident. I think with Bruno Pogba and the sort of I'd say the feel good factor, I kindly say we'll, I think we'll smash them. I think it might be three or four nil. Oof. You know what? It's confident. But when you look at the goals conceded, they, they've done really well. They've only conceded 28 this season. It, it's, it's up there. I think they're third or fourth best defensive unit in the Premier League. But yeah, you're right. They got bitch slapped by Newcastle on the weekend. So with no Henderson, yeah, I'd, I'd expect at least a 2-0 United victory. I think I think we'll go there. And at, Tom, the, at, the um, end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, it's Man United against Sheffield United at Old Trafford. <laughs> we have to go and win. That's right. Not 100% agree with you. Tom, I might just... Uh, give it to you um i know that obviously we've got some work great work that's being done by the manchester united foundation uh in conjunction with the supporters group of uh, manchester united new south wales i'll just let you take it away yeah well like we mentioned earlier on the podcast that um um, on last week's podcast the man united foundation gave us 500 pound to give to a local charity and we chose obviously unicef uh, bushfire and drought appeal and not only that initial £500, which I think off the top of my head in regards to Australian dollars is maybe a little over $900. On top of that initial donation, they've also said any other funds raised, they'll also match that. So I think we're up to now, we're just over $700. We've reached an initial target of $500 ourselves. We pushed that back to, back to $800 and we're almost there. But I think it's really important or a good way to look at it uh, if you go, if you usually go to Old Trafford and you're not having your match day pint or match day pie um, this week, if you spare, if you can spare five pound, United then turn that into ten pound, or if you can spare ten bucks, United then turn that into twenty bucks. So um, I think it's really important, not important, but it's just a good thing to sort of capitalise on the good work United have done off the pitch during the last couple of months. Because if we look at the bushfires, we kind of forget they happened in 2020. We're not even halfway through the year. And they devastated so many lives in um, in Australia earlier this year. So if you can spare five or six bucks, um, United will obviously double it for us. And that'll be a um, very good thing for people who need it a lot more than us at the moment. Yeah, spot on. Um, Australia's been ravished through those bushfires. And it's almost like it's just so much has happened in the world since that it just it feels like another lifetime ago. But reality was it was a mere five months ago. Tom, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you to our loyal listeners for joining us. Don't forget to give us a review on your favorite Apple, or well, sorry, your favorite podcast app, but uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, we're also on Spotify, whatever you're listening to. Share the good news. I've been Larry, that's been Tom, and we will catch you next episode, hopefully discussing a Manchester United victory. Cheers. Cheers. United,